Welcome back. You know, it'll be really nice whenever um, it's 6.30 and it's light outside, as opposed to the dark. But, but hey, God gives us the seasons, and I'm a big fan of snow, so I'm definitely thankful for this time of year where we get the potential to have snow. But however long it lasts, you know, that's okay. But hey, we'll go ahead and open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll do our popcorn selection of music, and uh, it's good to see everybody here this evening. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for giving us another day. I thank you, God, that you've blessed us so much, even um, this morning and this evening. One of your big blessings is giving us a building where it can be warm. Uh, you've given us plenty of clothing. Um, God, I thank you so much for all you've done for us. I pray that you would be honored and glorified by the singing, and I pray that we would learn something more from your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. For the popcorn selection, you go ahead and uh, pick a song from the hymnal, and uh, if, you, if Miss Joanne doesn't know it, you're more than welcome to come up and play it, and if I don't know it, you're more than welcome to come up and sing it. Uh, at the same time, if you need to, but who would like to kick us off? Mr. Doug. Mr. Doug is notorious for picking ones that are not exactly as uh, I'm not quite familiar with, but 496. Four ninety six. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Would you like to read the verse with that one? Thank you, sir. Let's go ahead and stand. Let's be seeing the first verse in chorus. I don't know if I know this. I just want to keep that streak going. I apologize, I just don't know it. I am sorry. <laughs> Someone else. Uh, yes, ma'am. Sorry. The next one over. <sighs> Good night. <clears throat> you'd think after, you know, being here for 15, 20 years, you'd have learned all of them, but I guess not. But that's okay. Do you want to play it, Mom? You can also sing it at the same time. Me too. Me too. All right. Would you uh, would you like to read the verse with that one? All right. And that's the whole goal, which thankfully we don't have to make a uh, beautiful noise. We just have to make a joyful noise. And so I'm very thankful for that tonight. 
uh, especially whenever you don't exactly know what uh, you're trying to, your eyes are bouncing between the notes and the words. So, uh, but let's go ahead. First verse and chorus. was familiar. That was a blessing. Whoo! Yes, ma'am, Miss Levita. 572. Whew! Blessed assurance. Here we go. 572. Would you like to read the verse? There we go. There we go. 572. First verse. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Thank you, thank you. Yes, ma'am, Miss Sharon. 294. Two hundred ninety-four. One day. This is a very good song. Would you like to read the uh, verse with it? Thank you, thank you. And there's multiple versions of this song, um, but hey, it's it's very good, very good. First verse and chorus. <clears throat> Oh, glory. 
we're looking at this morning. Christ is coming back. Yes. 814. Near the back of the book. If not the back of the book. Uh, do you mind if we do 815? Perfect. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 815, if you're reading the music, words either way, doesn't matter. 815, doxology, would you like to read the uh, verse with that one? Thank you, thank you. All righty, 813. One more. One more. Anyone? Anyone? 270? 270. 270. Hey, joy to the world. That's a good one. <clears throat> And the cool thing, you don't have to say, you don't have to wait till the last two months of the year. Some people say the last month of the year. Some people say the last or the Christmas week. Good night. You can sing Christmas songs all year because guess what? Christ came and he was born, and we 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 try to. All right, you, we won't do anything. We won't do any preaching right now. Let's just go to Joy to the World, two hundred seventy, first first verse. <clears throat> all right, Joy to the World. And would you like to read the verse with that one? <laughs> Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Maybe see. Yes, sir. What the? Oh, really? Well, hey, there we go. Which is what we talked about this morning again. That's great. All right, you may be seated.
Okay, how about that? All right, well, good to be with you here this evening. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Look at a familiar uh, passage of Scripture. Does that sound just a little bit loud? No? That sound good? Okay. All right. Ephesians chapter number 6. How many of you realize that we're in a battle? We're in a warfare. Fighting. Every day. Every minute of every day. The devil is trying to take us out. Trying to take you out. He do everything he can to do that. So we're in a battle. And uh, the, the Bible tells us that someone just described it like this. The Christian life is a battlefield, not a playground. And whether we realize or not, by the way, I think we all, every one of us, take for granted that we're in a real battle. We, we, we really don't take that thing serious. And uh, that's the reason why I believe so many Christians fall prey to the devil. And we, we would call it, stump, they might, you know, they're stump, they stumbled and they fell. But, you know, the Bible, the Bible doesn't, I don't think the Bible describes it like that. The Bible says that we just, we, we have went into sin. And folks, listen, we've got to be on guard for that. We've got to be ready. And if we don't know the enemy, and if we don't realize that we're in a battle and we're fighting and there's some things that God has given to us to protect us, then uh, guess what? We'll be unprepared. We, we, we won't be ready. We won't be alert to uh, the, the wiles of the devil. And so, uh, boy, we need, to, we need to be warned about this. We need, to be, we need to be educated on this so that we'll know and so that we will put into practice the things that God has given us here that's going to help us to win this war or, or to be successful in the battle. Ephesians chapter 6, let's begin reading in verse number 10. The Bible says, finally, my brother, and when you, when you find the word finally there, you see that word finally, he is talking about, and he's, he's, he's really summing up all that he has said before that. And he, and he gets to the end of it. He gets to the end of his message here and he says, now finally, let me draw it all together for you. Let me, let me, let me bring it to a head here if I could and put it in a few words. And he says, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And let's bow for prayer if we could. Lord, as we come before you, Lord, here this evening, uh, we stand before you again, Lord. We sure do need your help today. And I pray that you'd bless. Lord, use the message tonight to speak to our hearts, Lord, to help us. Help us to understand what you're trying to teach us here, Lord. There's, there's something for us here. And especially as Christians, Lord, there's something that we need to know and we need to understand. And we need to be warned about and we need be, to be prepared. 
Because, Lord, there, there is a battle and there is a warfare going on. And we sure do need your help. And you've given us your help here in the Word. And I pray that you'd bless it and you'd speak to our hearts and help us to understand. And uh, we sure will thank you for what you do now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we look at this, uh, I, I see three primary goals the devil has uh, as we talk, as we think about the battlefield, we think about the Christian warfare that we're in. The first thing I see here is he's after every individual Christian to destroy his life and testimony. You, you think about this. You have an enemy every day when you wake up. You have an enemy that's trying to destroy your life. You have somebody that's trying to ruin your life. He's trying to, he's trying to take your testimony and he's trying, he's trying to do everything he can to ruin you and put you out of commission for the Lord. Because, listen, do you know, do you, do you know in a battle, in battlefield situations, they would rather wound you than they would to kill you? If they wound you, then that means there's two or three people that's going to have to pick you up and try to carry you. They're going to try to take you to the hospital or, or, you know, the medical things there. So that's going to involve other people. And so if, if they can wound you and get you out of the battle, there's more people that's going to be, uh, you know, diverted from, you know, from doing what they're supposed to be doing, uh, trying to take care of you than if they shoot you, you know, if they shot you and killed you. If it killed you, you know, you, they can just leave you laying there. But in a, but if they can wound you, boy, it, it, it involves so many more people. So, the devil is going to do everything he can. He wants to wound you. And he wants to use you to try to draw other people out with you in the service of the Lord. I tell you, it's an amazing thing to think about how tricky and deceitful the devil is. He wants to destroy your life and your testimony. Second thing is, he is after every Christian home to destroy its unity and purity. Now, again, once, once again... If he can break up the home, if he can destroy the home, uh, he, the, he's going to do that. Why? Because he knows if the, uh, the home is not in unity, uh, he, that everybody in that home is going to be affected by it. And you know, listen, how many, how many of you know, have seen where mom and dad have went to church their whole life, they've raised their children up for God, and, and the, and the children go astray. I mean, they, they grow up, uh, grow up in church, and it, it, they're in a good church. Mom and dad's tried to raise them for God, and, and they go off and own their own and just, you know, live for the devil. Uh, folks, listen. The devil is going to do everything he can to destroy your home. He, he, he doesn't like your home. He wants to destroy it. And he's going to do everything he can to ruin it, if he can. And then the third thing is, he is after every Bible-believing church to destroy its witness and it's leaders. And boy, that's the reason why you ought to, uh, you ought to be praying for your church all the time. Uh, listen, if he can destroy the witness of this church, listen, it's, un, it's ineffective. It's of no value whatsoever. And by the way, instead of being a light, now it's going to, now it's going to be something that's going to turn people away from God. It happens all the time. Churches, uh, change their doctrine. They change their beliefs or whatever it is. They're, or they go off on some kind of tangent here and they they destroy their witness and they lose their light in their, in, in their community. And I tell you, when that happens, the devil is pleased about that. You know, rather than becoming a casualty, God can help us to learn how to be victorious, how to be a victorious warrior in this great spiritual battle. 
Now, we're going to look at some things. We're going to look at the enemy, and then we're going to look at what we can do. But folks, can I tell you now, I want you, I want you to think about this for a minute. You think about, you think about a man that's in, he is in warfare. I'm, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about he's on a, he's on a base here in America somewhere, and you know, and they're just going through, you know, they're just going through the motions. I'm talking about somebody that's out on the battlefield. He's on the front line. He's going to get up every morning or whenever it's his time to be on duty or whatever, he's going to get up every morning. And you think about this. A man that's in battle, he's going to put on every piece of equipment that he's got. Whatever's been issued to him, he's going to put on his helmet, he's going to put on his body armor, he's going to strap his belt on with all this, you know, everything that they, that, you know, hand grenades, whatever it, you know, whatever they'll give him, uh, surface-to-air missiles or whatever they can get, you know, strap on to somebody. Listen, he's going to, He's going to put on everything he can. Why? Because he knows his life's in danger. He knows that uh, he, he may have a piece of equipment that could very well save his life. And by the way, he's going to take his rifle. He's going to take, you know, like I said, everything that he can get. And he'd be foolish if he didn't. Foolish. I mean, here, here we've given you all this armor. We've given you all these things. And you're just going to leave it, at the, going to leave it in your tent? Nobody would do that. I've got... My, my, uh, we've got four children, my, uh, and it's, it's real unusual how all of them, you know, have went down different paths in their, you know, their life. All right, my daughter is married to a Winston Salem police officer, so every day, you know, he gets up, he goes, to, you know, to duty. He's got a vest, he's got a belt, gun, and that, you know, everything. You know, he's ready. He's ready for battle. My next son, my oldest son, he is uh, he. he for almost 12 years, he was a North Carolina State Highway Patrol. And he had, a, he had a bulletproof vest, and he had guns, and he had, you know, everything. Ready, he's ready to go. Now, God's called him to preach, and now he's a chaplain in the United States Army. And I was talking to somebody this morning. He had a big Army, uh, Army sweatshirt on and on. I was telling him about how he just has left. He left the day after Christmas to go to Oklahoma. That, that's his first duty station, and he's there in Oklahoma, and he is a chaplain in the United States Army. Guess what? He's got all kinds of battle equipment that he puts on. He's in the ar artillery uh, division there, uh, there at the, there at that base. My next son is a uh, he's in the Air Force, and he is uh, he's in uh, works in intelligence. And you know we don't we don't know what he does. He he's just he's just there. We know he works there because he's got a uniform, right? Uh, but we don't know anything that he does, and you know he can't tell anything that he does or talk about or anything like that. But he's got something that he's doing there that uh, you know that's involved in that's involved in wartime. And then my last son, my youngest son, he just has uh, got out of the uh, Air Force. He was in the uh, uh, what do they call it. Security forces, like it's, you know, we used to call it military police and that kind of thing. So he was a policeman. He had a he had a dog, and he had a gun and rifle and all these kind of things. So every one of my children have been in something where they've had some kind of you know battlefield uh, you know experience and you know equipment and all those kind of things. And you know it's really interesting because each one of them has a specialized field. Each one of them had specialized things that they did and all that. And 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 you know what? They prepare every day they went on duty. They prepared themselves and they were ready to do battle. They were ready to do whatever was called upon them to do because 
they knew that their life very well could be in danger. And they better be ready and better be prepared. And folks, now listen, we, we understand this is not a physical battle that we're in. We're, we're in a spiritual battle. He says we don't, verse 12, we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Listen, he's talking about a spiritual battle here, spiritual warfare. Listen, the devil, the devil can't be everywhere, but he's got demons that can be everywhere. And they're there, and it, listen, it, it would, it would be frightening to think about if we, if God would open our eyes and we could see what is going on in the unseen world. Do y'all remember when Elijah was back in the Old Testament? Elijah, uh, they were, uh, he was at this, uh, I forget where he was at, but it was, he was at some place. I forget, he's out, off by himself out there. And his servant was with him. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden this army, huge army surrounded them. And he, he was fearful of that. It was just them. It was just those two. And it was like, it was like them against this great army here. But Elijah wasn't, he wasn't at least a bit nervous. He, you see, God had enabled him to see what was really going on. His servant couldn't see. And so Elijah said, Lord, would you open his eyes so he could see what I can see? And the Bible says that he opened his eyes and he looked and he said the hills was full of chariots and, 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 a, and a spiritual army there that was ready to do battle to protect these men. These men of God. Listen, God had put his army there in place. And what had happened is this little penny ante army here that had surrounded them, they didn't have any idea how, how, how much in danger they really were. But God said, open their eyes. Open their eyes so they can see what's really getting ready to take place here. And you know what? When that happened, them old boys laid their arms down. They didn't want, they didn't want nothing to do with that. Listen, it'd be, it'd be, like I said, it'd be frightening to see what if God would let us to see the spiritual, uh, the, the army, the spiritual army that may be around us here and we don't even realize it, don't even know it. But listen, that's the way the devil wants it. The, the, the devil don't want you to know that. The devil don't want you to think about that. He wants you to be unprepared. He wants you to b uh, believe that nothing is really going on. And so let's look at some things here tonight if we could. Let's identify, let's identify the enemy. We want to see, we want to see the enemy and we want to see what he looks like. Alright, the Bible tells us that, uh, that, uh, the devil is our enemy. Job tells us that when God asked Satan where he had been, he tells God, I've been, he says, here's what the devil said, I've been to and fro in the earth from walking up and down in it. And you know, really what he was saying here, he says, listen, I've been north and south, I've been east and west, and I'm looking for somebody I can destroy. That's what, that's what the devil said. Uh, he said, but he said it like this, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You know that word devour means to gulp entirely, swallow up. The devil, in a moment, wants to swallow you up, just like that, if he can. Have you ever seen these pictures? I know you have because everybody, you know, I say everybody. Most people are interested in this. You see these, these, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to call safari or whatever kind of things, these shows. And they show these lines and they show how they hunt and do all this stuff. And you know how it is. They, they look for, they look for something that's weak. They look for something that's small or fragile by itself. And they try to weed that one little animal out by himself. And buddy, when that happens, 
He's done for. Listen, them, them, them lions will chase them. They'll get them cornered up somewhere. And buddy, when they can, they have, I mean, when it, it's, uh, it's awful what they do to them, but you know, the, but that's nature, you know. That's what, I mean, God designed that. God planned all that. But you know, we look at it and we think to ourselves, oh, them, they're so cute. You know, them little deers are so cute and they're so nice and, you know, you want to feed them and stuff like that. But listen, them, them lions will grab them things. What do they do? They grab their neck and just, I mean, it's awful. I don't, you know, I don't want to make anybody sick or anything, but, but, uh, but anyway, they, uh, can I tell you that's what the devil, the devil's just like that? Now, he may not grab you physically by the throat, but I'm going to tell you what, he's going to do everything he can to choke the life out of you. Listen, the devil, he's not our friend. He's going to look for somebody alone. He's going to look for somebody discouraged. He's going to look for somebody that's weak, somebody that's down. And when that happens, by the way, that's the reason why it's so dangerous to miss church. Why? You're, you're alone. It's like you're being weeded out. It's like you're out there all by yourself. Do you know when, when the devil came to Eve? You know, anytime you find the, fir the first mention of something in the Bible, boy, it's so important. You can learn so much from it. When the devil came to Eve, was she with somebody or was she by herself? She's all by herself. And she was out there. And by the way, isn't it amazing that she, that the devil didn't go after Adam? He went after Eve. She's out there all by herself. And, and you know, Eve, if, if, if she'd been thinking, if she, she'd had a right mind, she'd have said, get thee behind me, Satan. Get away from me, Satan. I don't want nothing to do with you. But she started talking to him. She started entertaining, uh, what he was saying and started listening to him and talking and conversing. Listen, don't ever, there, we're no match for the devil. The Bible never tells us that you know we're we're to actually fight with the devil. The Bible says we're to resist him. We're to stand against him. Don't don't try to do battle with the devil because we're no match for him, folks. Listen, that's that's the reason why God's gave us this armor. Armor. That's the reason why. That's the reason why when we fight the devil, we can't do it in our own strength. And we're going to look at that a little bit later on. But listen, we're to identify. This enemy. Be careful because he wants to destroy you. The Bible says that he is a deceiver. He's a murderer. He's a tempter. He's the father of lies. He's the accuser of brethren. And folks, can I tell you the devil has a strategy. A strategy. He's, he's not just haphazard at this thing. He's got a plan. And he knows your weakness. That's what's so scary about it. He knows. He knows. Your weakness. And buddy, he will attack it relentlessly. He'll, till the day you die, he will never let up. The devil will never let up on you. He'll never give up on you. He will attack you until the day you die. Folks, listen, I'm telling you. That, listen, this is serious business. Serious business. The devil wants to destroy, wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy my life. All right. So, what can we do? You, boy, I, I know I've painted a pretty bleak, bleak picture here. But what can we do? Well, I want you to know that God has given us everything that we need to be able to stand against the devil. All right. So, let's look at some things. First of all, He tells us uh, in uh, verse number in verse number uh, ten. Finally, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, this is, this is the first thing, and it's so important. 
The Bible tells us that we're to be strong. We're to be strong, not in our own power, not in our own strength, but in the Lord. We're to be strong in the Lord. I like this word courageous. We're to be courageous when it comes to fighting the devil. Boy, we're to be brave. We're to be, we're to be strong and we're to fight and we're to go after the devil, but we're to do it in the Lord, in the power of His might. His might. His strength. His ability. No, it don't have a thing to do with us. We're weak. We're just too, we're too weak. We're no match for Him. We gotta do this in the Lord's strength. Alright? And then He, not only, <coughs> excuse me, not only does He tell, tell us to be strong, but He says to be on guard. Uh, verse 18 talks about we're, we're to, we're to pray with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching there too with all preservation and supplication for all saints. Listen, we're to watch all through the Old Testament. The imagery there of all, you know, all through the Old Testament is, is, is battle after battle after battle. The nation of Israel, they were always at there was always a battle going on there. You know, I mean, when I say that, you know, there were some peace times and all that, but primarily there was battles going on all the time. Now, there was a physical battle, for sure. We understand that. But you know, the Old Testament was written for our learning, for our admonition. And it pictures for us, those physical battles picture for us what a real spiritual battle represents. And you know, he, they, they always, one of the, one of the great things of every battle is that you always had people on guard. People were always watching. Why? Because you never knew when the enemy was coming. You never knew how he was going to attack, when he was going to attack, which direction he was coming in. And so you always had to have people standing around, looking out, watching to make sure the enemy didn't get in unaware. Boy, always be watching. And he, that's what he tells us. We're to be watching. Be looking for him. Look, listen, expect the enemy to come and attack. Expect it. Because guess what? It's what he's going to do. He's going to come and he's going to attack. And so we've got to be on guard for that. Watch. Keep your eyes open. Be vigilant. Uh, be sober. Sober means to be serious here. And really the idea of watching is to be sleepless. You know what they did to a man, or I guess a woman too, you know, they got women in, in services too. You know what they did to somebody that went to sleep on their watch during wartime? Anybody know? Anybody know? Anybody ever heard? Am I the only one that's ever watched John Wayne <laughs> movies and stuff? You know what they did to him? Nobody knows. They shot him. They, they killed him. Why? Because when they went to sleep, they put everybody's life in danger. Everybody. They put the whole, they put the whole, whoever, you know, battalion or uh, division, whatever it was, you know, they put every one of them in danger because of one man sleeping. Folks, listen. It's serious business. Serious business. Don't, don't go to sleep on your watch. Don't do that. Be on guard. Alright? And then, he tells us that we're to be equipped. Two times, in this passage here, he tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Put every bit of it on. Don't leave one piece off. Why? Because if you leave one piece off, there's a weak spot. Put all the armor on. Alright? And so he goes on through here and he tells us, be equipped. Put on the whole armor of God. 
first thing that he tells us here is to put on the girdle of truth. Now, are we, uh, somebody, you know, today we, we think about a girdle. You know, girdles was something, you know, they talked about, you know, years ago, years ago. Nobody ever talks about girdles anymore. But he's not talking about a girdle that we would think about. He's talking about a wide leather belt. It was a wide leather belt. And they would put that belt on. They would put that thing on and they would tighten it up. And then all the other armor somehow uh, attached to it. And it held all the armor together. And by the way, that's where you put your sword and all those other things. And so this, this belt... This wide leather belt was very important and it was the first thing you put on because everything else, everything else attached to it. Now isn't it amazing, isn't it amazing that the Lord used truth as one of the first things that we're to put on? Now you remember we talked, we, we mentioned that this morning. We talked about being honest. We talked about being truthful. Alright? And boy, how important it is. And so, uh, one of the, one of the great, reasons I believe that he talks about this girdle of truth is is because Satan is a liar. Satan's such a liar. Listen, the devil will never tell you the truth. He will never show you the truth. Listen, if he's if the devil is talking to you, you can mark it down, it's a lie. It's a lie. But wait a minute. This is the truth. Jesus said of himself, I am the way the Truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This is the truth. That's the reason why we emphasize. Read your Bible. Why? Because this is the truth. You've got to know the truth. Do you know how counterfeit, how people that, 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 uh, detect counterfeit money, you know how, you know what they do? They don't study every piece of counterfeit money that there is. They don't do that. They just look at the real thing. They look at the real thing, and if they, if they know the real thing, then everything else that doesn't look like this is counterfeit. That's pretty smart. They look at the truth. They study the truth. They don't study all these errors. They don't study all these mistakes and all these other things. They look at the truth. And if they know the truth, then anything else that doesn't match up to that is a lie. Folks, listen. We've got to do the same thing. We've got to know the truth. Know what the Bible says. Study your Bible. Read your Bible. Because this is the truth. This is the truth. And boy, if we know that, if we know that, we're going to be, we're going to be well down the road. All right? Uh, you'll never go wrong telling the truth. A man of integrity with a clear conscience can face the enemy without fear. Look at, uh, we won't take time. Let, I, let, I wrote these down. Let me, let me read you something. Proverbs 6.16, These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Here he says, and your pastor talked about it this morning, a proud look. Somebody, somebody that's proud. Uh, uh, but this is, these are some things that God says, I hate these things. A proud look. And then the second thing that he mentions is a lying tongue. God says, I hate that. I hate it. And, uh, but if God says he hates it, it must be pretty serious. So, uh, so let's tell the truth. Let's, let's be honest. Let's, let's, let's be truthful about that. Alright? Uh, and so, he tells us here that we're to put on this girdle of truth. And then the second thing that he talks about here is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this breastplate of righteousness 
is it, listen apart from Christ and his righteousness we don't have we don't have anything to talk about right we don't have anything to brag about but folks listen because of Christ and his righteousness that's been transferred to me listen I had none but he gave me his and so when the God looks at me he sees the righteousness of his son Jesus Christ praise the lord and because of that I'm I'm accepted I'm okay because of that all right but there is a practical righteousness that every Christian should have. Practical righteousness. What does that mean? It means like we mentioned it this morning. Living a holy life. A holy life. Listen, that's, a, that's, a, that's important. By the way, it, it's just, it ought to be one of those things that's just as natural as it can be. Every Christian ought to strive to live a holy and a righteous life. Clean and holy before the Lord. Uh, Listen, uh, Job. Let me, I'm going to read you another verse. Job one eight. Uh, uh, somebody that has a as a holy and a righteous life. Uh, you can't. Uh, I wrote. I wrote this down. Let me read you this quote. Uh, Clean in the holy life. Satan is the accuser, but he cannot accuse the believer who is living a godly life in the power of the Spirit. Let me read you this verse of scripture in Job one eight. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered? My servant Job, there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and excueth evil. Do you know that the devil came to the Lord, uh, to God one day? The Bible says he was in, he, he presented himself, he was in, apparently he's in heaven, and he goes to heaven, and he, like I said, you know, we mentioned that he's the accuser, and so he went up there to accuse somebody before God. And God points out and says, wait a minute here. You're talking about this, you know, all this other stuff. Have you, have you seen my servant Job? He's living a holy and a righteous life. Listen, he, he didn't want to mention. Why didn't he want to mention Job? Because he was living a holy and righteous life. He wasn't going to bring him up. He didn't accuse Job before God. God says, wait a minute. Hey, have you thought about him? Have you looked at him? Look at his life. Now, wait a minute. What would it be like if the devil went up to heaven and he had us in mind? Is he going to be able to accuse us before God? Or is God going to say, hey, have you seen my servant down here? Have you seen, this? Have you seen him? Have you seen her? Listen, they're living for God. They're, they're trying to serve God. You know, we don't know. But can I tell you, can I tell you that the Lord, the Lord wants us to live a holy and a righteous life. He, and, and, and listen, this breastplate of righteousness, like I said, not, not being self-righteous and nothing like that, but listen, God expects us to live a holy and a righteous life. I'm going to read you one more verse here. Proverbs 28, 1. The Bible says this, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Why is that? It, listen, it is just human nature. It's human nature when we've got sin in our life or before we got saved. Y'all remember before you got saved? You know, people, you, you, it's like you're always looking over your back, always looking over your shoulder. Why? You, you think somebody's after you. Why? Because you're guilty. You, 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 you know you're not right. 
You know you're living wrong. You know, listen, there's all kinds of things that, that might catch up with you because of the way you've been living. And you're always looking over your shoulder and you're thinking somebody's always out to get me. Why is that? You're guilty. But the Bible says that, man, that a man that's righteous, a righteous man, is bold as a lion. Why? He's got a clear conscience before the Lord. And he's got a clear conscience around, uh, among other people. Listen, he, he knows he ain't perfect. It's nothing like that. It's not that at all. He knows he's not perfect. But listen, he, he, he knows that he don't have anything where somebody can accuse him, point their finger at him. And folks, listen, somebody like that, somebody that has that kind of testimony, they, they are a powerful witness for God. Powerful witness. All right? So the third thing he talks about here is the shoes of the gospel of peace. Now, I'm just going to tell you, this, that, that, those, uh, this uh, piece of armor, this piece of equipment, is I'm going to tell you, it's, it's one of those things that, have, that has, has really baffled me before. And I tell you, it's hard to get a grip on this, but I think God has showed me some things here. I think I've, I've seen some things here that's really helped me out. The gospel, the shoes of the gospel of peace. When we get saved, the peace of God comes in, and we have the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's just like, it's just like we just mentioned up here. We've got a clear conscience before God. We're not, we're not looking over our shoulder. We're not worried about, uh, you know, uh, somebody coming up behind us and getting us, those kind of things. There, there, there's a peace that comes with that. And it says, it, it, it gives us, it, it says to ourself, <coughs> all is well. It, Kind of like, kind of like that, uh, kind of like that song uh, that uh, we sing. You know, it is well with my soul. There's a peace that comes. There's a peace that comes with that. Uh, uh, it is. It's saying all is well. Being saved is something worth standing for. It's worth fighting for. Something you want to share because of how it has helped you. Something worth believing in, giving your life for. There's a there's a confidence that goes with that. The gospel of peace, right? Uh, we 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 have confidence in it. We and we're and we're ready to give out give it give the gospel out to uh, to somebody else because we realize and we know how much it's helped us, folks. Listen, there's there's just something about that, and then you know it just it there it's it just it just gives us a confidence that we can talk to folks about the Lord. All right, now have you noticed in these especially in these last days how fear. And stress and violence is increasing in the world. Well, I tell you, it's, it's, it's a shame. It's awful what's going on in our world today. Uh, and it, and it just keeps in, it just keeps increasing. James Kennedy was a, he was a, he was a, a, a Presbyterian minister. Now, we, we, we wouldn't agree with the Presbyterians. I mean, they don't believe like we believe. Baptists, you know, we're, we're kind of unique. In what we believe, but Presbyterians, uh, they have a works for salvation, you know, things like that. But James Kennedy, James D. D. James Kennedy, was really he was a great man. I, I believe he was a saved man. I really do. He he was he he developed a soul winning program that was called Evangelism Explosion, and he uh, he uh, developed that, and he tried to get everybody he could to go through his program. Why? Because he wanted, 
He wanted people to give out the gospel. He wanted people to tell other folks about the Lord. And he knew that that was the right thing. By the way, we, that's exactly what we're to be doing. I mean, we're to be giving out the gospel. We're to be telling folks about the Lord. Why? Because we want to see people get saved. I believe he was a saved man, and he had the right plan. He told people that, listen, the, you know, the only way a person can be saved and have their sins forgiven is trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're saying that, guess what? I can agree with you. Uh, we, we can join hands, and we can work, we can work together with that. Uh, and he, he had the right plan. All right, so he, a lot of people, a lot of people would talk to him. He would, I mean, his, this guy was a brilliant man. He, they said that he, his church, him and his church, and everything, all of his ministries, and this was, I mean, I mean this was years ago, back in the seventies. He said that they said of him that he had a thirty-one million dollar budget every year. I mean, this man. This man had a tremendous ministry. I, there's no telling how many people got saved. So there were people, they saw what he was doing. They were people that would, they would go to him and talk to him. And they, they would say, what, what is it? What's the number one reason why people don't tell other people about the Lord? Now, most people would say, you know, a lot of people would say that, you know, it's because I'm afraid. I'm afraid to tell other folks about the Lord. Some people would say, well, I don't know a plan. I don't have a plan, and so I really don't know what to say. I don't, I don't really know what to tell people. You know, I don't really know how to witness. I've never been trained. And, uh, you know, you know and, and, and people, would, people would ask him, are those the reasons why people, other people, you know, people won't tell people about the Lord? He said, no, let me tell you the number one reason. Now, I'm telling you, this is, this is a shocking thing. This was the number one reason why he said that people gave the reason they gave for not telling someone else about the Lord. You know what it was? Here's what he said. They said this, I don't witness because I don't have a godly testimony. Now you think about that. Not because I don't know, not because I'm afraid, but because I don't have on the breastplate of righteousness. That's the reason why I don't witness to other folks. Folks, I'm going to tell you, put on the breastplate of righteousness. If you're saved, if you're saved, you have Christ's righteousness. And God will help you to live for Him and serve you. Now, you ain't, nobody's going to be perfect. Never, never said that. Don't be perfect. You can't be perfect. But I tell you what. We can have a whole and righteous life before the Lord. All right? Then let me give you the next thing, the shield of faith. He says this, and it must be pretty important because he says, and above all, and above all, take the shield of faith with you, uh, and with it you will be able, listen, now this is, listen to this, you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now somebody define the word all. What does the word all mean? Now, George Law, you remember, do you remember George Law? Uh, George Law led preacher back to the Lord, you know, and, you know, and I, we knew him, and, and he had a lot of sayings. Here, this is one of the famous sayings of George Law. All means all, and that's all all means, right? So all means all. That's, that's what, exactly what it means. And, and he says, if you've got the 
shield of faith, you can, with that shield of faith, quench all the fiery darts of the devil. In other words, if you've got the shield of faith, you can, you can take anything the devil throws at you. It doesn't make any difference what it is. You can quench those darts. But guess what? If you don't have them, you can't quench them. You can't do it. If you don't have the shield of faith, those darts are going to get you every time. And folks, listen. You've got to have, we've got to have the shield of faith. Satan's first work is to create doubt. You, th you think about the Garden of Eden. Here was the first thing that we find recorded, said uh, from the devil. Yea, hath God said. First thing he did, he wanted to, he wanted to put a doubt in her mind. And then he, and then he wants to put denial there. He wants to deny what God says. Because he said this. This is the second thing he says. He said, you won't die. You know, God says you're going to, you're not going to die. Don't believe that stuff. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about that. You're not going to die. And then he gives them deceit. You will be like God. Deceit. He deceived them. He sure did. He lied to them all three times. He, 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 he just flat out lied. Listen, the devil is going to get everything he, he's going to do everything he can to get you to doubt, to deny, and to, uh, 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 discredit what God says. Alright? We know the verse. We know it by heart. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Folks, listen, we've got to know the Bible. Do you know it's no accident I don't believe in any way, shape, or form that we have Hebrews 11 in the Bible. It's no, it's no accident. Hebrews 11. The just, the, the just shall live by faith. Listen, Hebrews 11 is, we would, we call it sometimes the hall of faith in our Bible. There are so many people in there, great people, that we can read about. I'm, I'm telling you, it's one of the most thrilling chapters in all the Bible. By faith, this guy did this. By faith, they did this. By faith, they did... I mean, they just... They did unbelievable things. By the way, they were just normal, everyday people. They're not superheroes. They're just normal people. They just, they're just like we are. Just like we are. And the only difference is they believe what God said and they acted on it. And by faith, God was able to do great things for them. And we can read about them and we can, we can even know their names. But you know that there are so many in there that we, we see their names and all, but there's many more that we don't have a clue who they were. Many more. Way more people, uh, you know, that we have a name for that, that we don't have a name for. We don't know who they are. And we really don't even know what they've done, but he just, he just lumps them all in there together. And he, and he just, he describes them as, as these and these. And he goes on and says, tells some things about them. There was many, many more people that lived by faith, that did great things for God by faith, and we don't even know their name. You know, and I believe he put that, I believe it for a reason. There's a reason why. Because he wanted them to be, he wanted them to be a multitude of people in there, a host of people that nobody knew who they were. They don't, they don't know what they did, but they just lived by faith. They did what God wanted them to do. Why? 
so we can identify with them. So we could, we could say, you know what? They did something great for God. Guess what? I can too. And I, by faith, listen, by faith I can do anything God wants me to do. And you can too. Alright? And then the last thing, and we're done. The helmet of salvation. Whoso, whoever controls the mind controls the believer. When God controls the mind, Satan cannot lead the believer astray. Folks, listen, the mind is so important. That's the reason why he says, listen, you're to guard your mind. Guard it. By the way, how, how, what affects our mind? What we see and what we hear. Folks, we've got to be careful. Put on the helmet of salvation. Don't let things come into your mind that don't need to be there. Don't let things in because the devil will use those things. He'll, he'll use them to destroy you if you're not careful. All right? Christ wants to equip us with His purpose, His plan, His thought, His truth, and His re revelation so that we can stand victorious from the attacks of the devil. Listen, the Bible says that we are already victorious in the Lord. We're already victorious. But you know what? There's some everyday battles that we face that the devil will use to destroy our life. Folks, listen. Be on guard. Be, be ready. When you get up in the morning, when you get up in the morning, think to yourself, I'm, I'm getting ready to go to battle. I better, I better be prepared. I better get my equipment on. I better put the armor of God on because if I don't, there's going to be an open spot there that the devil may get in. He may get in and, and, and use it and destroy my life. Folks, listen. Let's be on guard for the Lord, okay? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Now, Lord, as we come before you here this evening, we sure do thank you for, Lord, your many blessings. I, I, I sure do, uh, Lord, appreciate the Word of God and what a, what a blessing it is. What a, what a difference it can make in our life, Lord, if we just allow you to speak to our hearts and help us. Lord, it sure is uh, good to know that. And so, Lord, we'd ask that you'd bless, you'd speak to hearts, and uh, Lord, we're sure going to thank you for what you do now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do y'all give an invitation Sunday night? Okay. Well, we don't have a musician, but that's okay. No, that's fine. No, I'm just saying, uh, uh, and, I, and I should have asked, and, you know, because uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't prepared to know what to do, but that's okay. But uh, listen, if God spoke to your heart, uh, you know, Always do business with God. When He speaks to your heart, do what He wants you to do. Would you do that? All right, brother, you come on, and, or whoever is taking it. <laughs>